you have to think as a banker, like what is going to be this, this thing that I can offer that like, doesn't necessarily exist. It will have all the normal standard things, but it's going to be that thing, that hook to grab customers. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 165th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. And today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Mary Wisniewski to the show. Mary is the banking editor and fintech features reporter at bankrate.com and she also has spoken and moderated at numerous fintech events including Future of Fintech, Digital Banking Summit, the Money Experience Summit, Emerge and so many more. I appreciate the thinking and the perspective you share, Mary, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Welcome to the show, Mary. It is so good to have you on. What is going well? What is going well? (laughs) What is going well for you as we get started here today? Well, thank you. First off, it's a pleasure to be here. And what's going well for me is it's been sunny in Los Angeles, so I could do a little beach walk over the weekend, roller skating. My dog <laughs> is fun to walk around and scare people. He likes to bark at people. Now, you mentioned roller skating. So is mm-hmm. that quads or is that inline? It's quads. It's- right before the holiday, I, I was in an amateur holiday show. <laughs> really? <laughs> rocking around the Christmas tree. Yes, that was my big thing of last year. That is that is neat. So the reason I'm asking is my wife used to be on the speed team. Oh, well. Growing up with quads. And uh-huh. it was her, her sister, and her brother. And they're the three youngest out of six. And let me tell you, like, so they went from quads and then they went over to the inlines and it was the inlines to where the speed really started picking up. And is it, I think it's Bant is the brand is a name or uh, it's, I think they're out of Australia and they got, they all got a new pair of quads last year, not quads, inlines last year. And I'm telling you, they're going some like really dangerous speeds so that's so neat that's so neat that you're doing some roller skating yeah it's freeing kind of (laughs) yeah Uh, well you know I got to give a shout out to you know we're talking skating here to uh, Jeffrey Kendall and the team over at Nimbus because they sent me over the holidays they sent me this beautiful custom skateboard deck and I have it up here hanging in the studio. And I was like, I told him, I said, I, I got to figure out how to ride this thing again. Otherwise, I'm going to be breaking a breaking a, a bone or two along the way. Oh, yeah. So I got to go I figure know, that back out. You'd be looking. I mean, since it's customized with your brand, you're going to be like, wow, I'm a, I'm a professional here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, speaking about being a professional, you are a professional when it comes to covering fintech trends and what i want to do in this conversation is i want to i want to look back to look ahead and 
if we roll back in our mind and hop in the the DeLorean of our mind, if you will, take a take a trip back. What what have been some of the biggest fintech trends that you've observed? Maybe the top one, two over the last twelve months or so. Things that have really kind of just percolated up to the top. Things that stand out in your mind. What would those trends be? Yeah. So it's curious because, you know, in this industry, and I'm sure, you know, everything's so slow moving. Some of these trends are like years in the making or years old. So now I've covered it for over 10 years. So some of it started, you know, in my earlier days and it's just kind of crescendoing. But um, something that I've been following over the years, but it got momentum last year also is, you know, open banking and, you know, how are apps pulling in data and, you know, in the earlier years of me covering this feed, it was kind of a, a fight over, you know, banks were being accused of blocking data access. And um, and then the banks would say, you know, we're doing this because it's like we're responsible for this and it's just not safe um, to do what you're doing. And so, you know, that 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 fight seems to have become less of a fight. And now it's like momentum to really, you know, take this into consideration. So that's one of the trends I would say gained momentum last year. When you talk about open banking and there's that fight versus flight versus now it's more of a collaborative approach, or we're starting to see the collaboration opportunities to create value together instead of competitively. What do you think has really led to that mindset shift? Because I would say it's probably more mental than anything. What do you say on that front there? Well, I think mental, but also, you know, other countries like the UK, you know, that it's like law, like you don't want, the US does not like being behind. Right. <laughs> I mean, we are, uh, we're also not in a way. Um, so competitiveness is, is certainly one thing. Um, and also just, you know, the old way, screen screen people, nobody likes that. No one's ever liked that. It's not reliable um, way to get data. So, you know, I would say it was just a long time coming. You're right. And I think it's that crescendo of there's been things that have been building up to this point, And now we've hit a critical mass that we can really start to move things forward. When you think back over the last year or so, What's been a big surprise to you? Something that you were like, oh, that was, oh that's yes. interesting. <laughs> and we've talked about this before. And this is the other trend, I would say. It's like, you know, these um, these new digital bank brands are forming for specific communities. But the one I'm thinking in particular that really surprised me, did a story on it, was Stretch is an early stage startup that is creating a bank account for the formerly incarcerated. So as soon as I stumbled on them, I'm like, this is just intriguing as as an audience, but also it's something that's so needed. And so that, but that really surprised me um, last year when I first heard about it. You talk, so there's stretch, there's nerve, there's, there's so many of these micro niche brands that are Mm -hmm. popping up. What's the trend that maybe an incumbent should pay attention to? Is there, is there a path that they could learn from this? Because I literally was just having this conversation yesterday with the, they're probably, they're, they're between the five to $10 billion asset range and they're in our banking on digital growth program. And they were talking about this idea of personas and niche. And, and what does that mean? Does that mean that we 
exclude? And I said, well, not necessarily. I said, this is about focus. This is about positioning. This is about going to market with a lot more intention. And think of it like fishing. You, you, you know the fishing holes that you want to go fishing in, and it's much easier to probably catch if you know the right fishing holes to fish in as opposed to going out to the massive ocean and just dragging a net and hoping that you catch something along the way. You're probably going to catch something, but then there's probably going to be garbage tied into that net and just all of this other noise. What's the trend there that others can maybe pay attention to? Is there, what can they learn from those, those, those other niche brand examples? Yeah. I mean, it definitely depends on the size of the bank, um, but it's certainly like community bank or um, something more like, I think, you know, just a general digital bank has been commoditized basically. You know, you have, you have the chimes, you have the borrows, you know, appeals to a wider audience and, um, in a way, no fee banking is also commoditized. And so you have to think as a banker, like what is going to be this, this thing that I can offer that like, doesn't necessarily exist. It will have all the normal standard things, but it's going to be that thing, that hook to grab customers. And, and so it needs to solve a very particular problem, I think. And so if you, if you pick a group, you're going to be better prepared to solve a particular problem. And I would think as long as you're good at getting your brand name out there, that that would help you capture an audience you wouldn't otherwise have necessarily. That's a great point. You talk about this idea of the chimes and the varos and the no fee banking, and that's becoming table stakes. And we saw that trend, you know, pop up last summer, particularly around like overdrafts and Ally was leading the way. And now everyone's starting to follow that same path and pattern there. And then I'm hearing from a lot of the community brands like, oh, well, that was our bread and butter. We really relied on that. Now, what's the next step for to maybe detach from some of the the old to begin to create the new? Is that maybe where open banking comes back into the conversation to create new possibilities, new opportunities? What's your take on that? Well, I think that it could. I mean, if you're getting better data access, a lot of things are more at your fingertips, assuming you want an app that's like pulling in data from other, from other banks and other fintechs. Um, I think it could play a role. Yeah. I think I think the other thing too is and, and and I know Ron Shevlin has touched on this this idea of personalization because there's that data piece there. It's not just personalizing to his point communication, it's also personalizing conversation and being able to and this came up in the conversation that I was having the other day with this financial brand and they were talking about big data versus thick data. And to not just have access to it, but to be able to practically apply it and use it to create value going forward. Speaking about going forward, looking ahead, what might be the big opportunities over, say, the next 12 to 18 months available for either a financial brand or a fintech to create, capture, capitalize on? either independently or working together? Well, I'd say I would, I would, I definitely encourage working together because um, it's usually the fintech is going to have a mindset that will be slightly different than the banker's mindset. It doesn't have to happen that way, but often I find that that is the better 
arrangement. I think there's still uh, lots of opportunities to explore um, creating a different digital bank. There's just, you know, there's so many banks in the country in credit unions. It's, and so you think on one hand, wow, we have way too many. But then on the other hand, it's like there's so many people still who don't have what they need. And to bring it back to that stretch example, so what they did is they're including job leads for for companies that will hire people with criminal records. So like that is the that is the hook. That is a very important problem to help solve. And so you sort of need to think about how to do that for other populations of, of the US, assuming you're staying to the US, um, of just, you know, what can I do that hasn't been done? And then Create a brand around it. God, I, I, I want to blue sky on this for a little bit because it's always fun. What what can we do that hasn't been done? So we know the the financial health aspect. We know the toll that financial stress is taking on a person's physical and mental well being. I think there's an opportunity to really kind of bring all three of those pieces together. And there's that going even outside of the industry partnering with, you know, a gym brand. Um, I mean, it, it could be Peloton, right? Yeah, just to, we got the physical well-being aspect there, but then bringing the financial well-being. And there's also a built-in community too. So th- there's that piece, there's that aspect, there's that element. You mentioned collaboration between fintechs and financial brands. And you talked a little bit about fintech mindset versus a, 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 a traditional financial brand mindset. What's driving the two? And we were kind of even touching on this before we hit record. What's driving the thinking, if you will, of, of these two organizations, fintech versus financial brand, when it comes to the mindset specifically? Sure. And this is, you know, I, I'm going to, it's going to sound like a generalization and it doesn't, it's not always this way. You certainly find renegade, renegades within a bank and they're always very intriguing yes. <laughs> people. You've never expected them. You're like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, we have something in common here. But I think a fintech, you know, is able to just experiment quicker. I think they're throwing out ideas um, more often. And this is both a pro and a con. Sometimes they're not really thinking about all the rules. So oops, they break a rule, and that is a big problem. But also on the flip side, they're not limited in what could be. A banker is probably so used to the rhythm of business as it's always been, you know, the the way to climb the ladder, X, Y, Z. And maybe, maybe you don't even care. Like maybe you just want your paycheck and call it a day. And, <laughs> you know, like this is a big problem. Well, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're, you're driven to solve something bigger, something bigger, but not necessarily at a bank. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. It's that idea of entrepreneurship that I'm really interested in on the fintech side to possibly, you know, package some of that up in some shape, way, form, or fashion and bring that into a financial brand and we'll call it intrapreneurship. And I was just talking with the VP of marketing 
at a financial brand community institution on the East Coast earlier this this week or last week, actually. And one of the things that he mentioned was he has come from the startup world. He likes that, but he was attracted to this financial brand because of the entrepreneurial mindset that they're trying to build within. So that was a really positive statement and one that I'm looking forward to following to see how that really pans out over the next 12, 18, 24, 36 months. Is it something that is kind of we're going to dabble in or are we really going to commit to and go forward? Looking ahead as well, I think it's important to consider potential roadblocks, dangers that could get in the way that could prevent us from moving forward and making progress. Knowing what you know and and, and, and reading what you read and, and talking to who you talk to, what are some of those roadblocks and dangers that the dear listener needs to be aware of uh, as they continue to move forward on their own journey of growth? And the risk from the from the banker side of things. Correct. You know, I think it's a lot of the similar roadblocks. You know, um, sometimes the projects are taking multiple years, um, and then the person in charge of the budget leaves, um, and then the project goes down the toilet, and then you're like, "What was the whole point of my life?" <laughs> I mean, I was speaking as if my project was thrown out, but um, you know, so that's just one that's always in the way bureaucracy is always in the way, but also just getting stuck with like the day-to-day task, you know, like how do you carve out time to like think about um, possibilities, you know, like I think that is actually very hard and clear. I mean, we're still in this pandemic in person, things aren't happening as much still. And, and sometimes you lose the brainstorming uh, a bit as a, as a result. So that's still a thing that a bank would be up against. So there's two things that, that really kind of bubbled up to my, my head when you were talking through that, you mentioned the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we did this year, and we do this every year is for financial brands that are in the banking on digital growth program. We always send um, an end of year gift and it is typically a book to read and something local to eat. So something we're sending something from Houston out to them and around the world along with the book. And this year, the book that we sent was a book called Humanocracy. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but if you're not, I highly recommend a put it on your radar, B read it because it is something that I'm seeing as a way to break free from the bureaucracy that holds financial brands back from moving forward and making progress. The second point was there's another book, and we're talking about open bank, open banking to begin with. There's another book, and I believe the title is called Open Strategy, and it's this idea of strategy happens throughout the organization, not just at the top, but it can happen through all different levels, and we need to be open to listen to what people have to say, to what they're thinking, to what they're hearing too, also on the front lines. And that comes back to the point that you were just making, creating space and time to break free from the doing so that we can review what we've done, think through that. Because if we keep down this path of just checking things off the list, project-based, I'm... 
I, I wish I could say I was hopeful about the future, uh, but I'm not because the, the the future becomes the predictable past and we're just continuously repeating the same cycle over and over and over, which I'm addressing in my second book, Banking on Change, of, of how financial brands can do that. I, I'm curious for just your own personal take on this. How do you... Yeah. How do you create that space and time just for yourself, like to, to, to reflect, to review, to think? Well, that's what you were just making me think of, because I am definitely more, I'm, I would label myself more of a creative person, but you know, in any given day, there's a lot of like tedious things one must do to quote unquote, fulfill your job. Right. <laughs> and so what I, I get most frustrated with, but I also love the challenges. I was like, I, I don't like interruptions when I'm trying to do a brainstorm. So like the Slack messages and, yeah. and stuff, it, like it, it interferes with like my, my thought process. So I try to start and end each day. Well, I start the day with just reading like industry news and let it sort of like sit on my brain or I collect things that I find kind of interesting, but aren't a full baked story. And I put it in an ideas folder and um, because I am completely driven by creative projects. So without doing that kind of work, I'd feel ill, I think. But I usually carve at the beginning or the end of the day where I'm like, let me just spend this like 30 minutes, even not even that much of the time to like really think through like either story ideas or like video ideas, maybe even social ideas of things that I could do that would involve fintech or a bank um, right. to be a good story. That's a, that's an interesting point. So there are certain habits and rhythms and routines that you've built into your day so that you do block that time to learn, to think, and then you can execute and do, but then you're also coming back and reviewing and reflecting. And there's a lot of stoic wisdom in that. Uh, I, one of the authors I've been reading recently is Ryan Holiday and his thinking on stoicism and how it applies to modern times. And when you look at the stoics, they plan the day, they review the day every single day on what they need to do. And then they review the day of what happened, like what can, where can I continuously improve on that next day going forward? And you mentioned Slack and I've been thinking a lot about this digital. We've got access to everything 24 seven and that's a positive, but it can also be very dangerous too, from a creative thinking mode an innovation mode, because you can't be on 24 seven. You have to create that space to literally disconnect so that you can do some deep thinking, some deep work, which is a great book by Cal Newport on that subject there. How do we create or empower either ourselves, our teams to disconnect? Because I'll be the first one to admit, I've struggled with digital addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's the continuous dopamine hit of it was Twitter. And I got it, it was back in 2009, 10, 11, 12. And so, hi, my name is James Arbelay. I'm a recovering Twitter addict to the point to where I've literally have taken email off my phone. I've taken an internet browser off my phone. I've taken social media off my phone. I have a dumb smartphone yeah. so that, cause I think the environment's too, too strong. And so when you think about working in this digital world and if we're struggling with dopamine hits and digital addiction, it's almost like asking someone to, 
you know, struggling with alcoholism to bartend. How do we create that space? Because like, I don't know. It's like it's a delicate subject to to to, to work around. Um, but I think it's one that we need I'll, to lean into. Yeah, no, it's totally delicate. You know, I you know sometimes I'll have a couple ideas and then I'll go for a walk because it just then I'm just focused on whatever's going on in my brain. So that helps me. I will silence my phone because I'm someone like you. If I see it, I want to get it done yes. right at the moment. But then it's not a way to get a bigger project <laughs> accomplished. Yeah. Um, you can't be at everybody's bidding or you won't get the bigger thing done. I heard a, a, someone say one time, your inbox is someone else's problems. And I, I love that. <laughs> I've had to struggle. Yeah. I've had to struggle and, and try to create boundaries of what that looks like because you literally could live in your inbox and work and be busy all day long, but never get anything done. And I, I hear bankers. I see bankers. They're like, I was in meetings all day. And then I had my inbox and emails and I'm, I'm like, well, we need to like, look at like what those behaviors are, because I think that back to your point, creativity and innovation and future thinking, they all go hand in hand together so I don't, this is a, this has been a fascinating rabbit hole that we've gone down to one, one that I've never ventured on before on this podcast. So thank you for taking the, the, yeah. the, the trip and the journey with me on this one. Um, cause it's, it's you know what? go ahead. You, you just made me have another thought. Like, um, you could like even set a challenge A banker might like this. Like every week I'm going to find out about one idea that I didn't know. So maybe find out about a FinTech startup they didn't know or something. Cause you just never know what's going to inspire your work. So I think if you put a pattern around it, it could help. That's that right there, I think is a great practical application. And I always like to end this podcast with a next best step because mm-hmm. all transformation that leads to future growth begins with something small, something simple, something easy. It's not overwhelming. It's not too complex. Can you dive deeper into this thought? Because it's one that I want to come back and give a little bit more commentary around because I do see value in this, but let's just call it the one thing or the one idea or the one lesson learned each week. What would your, if we could put some more rails around this bumpers on the bowling alley so that we can keep these bankers out of the gutter and they can roll the ball down and get a strike. And and really like, what would that look like? Is it, is it one FinTech a week? How would you provide some more practicality around this? Yeah. I think what should they look look at? It should be defined a little bit about what their interest is because it's always you're going to do something more if this is like your interest too. But you know, maybe it's set up a Google alert for fintech and just scan the headlines and then pick mm. the one that you find more interesting. It could be, I mean, keep it simple. Um, otherwise, you won't do it, or I wouldn't. So, um, so let me add on that. So you got the Google alert. Mm-hmm. Your focus, and maybe it's the fintech of the month. Mm-hmm. And then you get together as a team. It could be uh, a senior leadership team. It could be a marketing team. It could be an operations team, whatever it might be. But each person on that team has an assigned fintech that they're focused on studying that month. And every single week when they come together, they build into their meeting agenda 
just a brief update. Maybe it's a you know a three to five minute update. Hey, here's what I learned over the previous week about this fintech. And this is so practical because in a coaching session that I had to start the year, one of, and this was from a vice president, one of the challenges that they shared was we just feel like our senior leadership team is out of touch because like they were talking about the whole buy now, pay later. She knows about it, but they're not even having kind of these conversations at a, at a higher level. And so I think, I think you're onto something with this. Yeah. I think it'd be really tangible would speak to their fact finding enjoyment and um, wouldn't be too much of a time suck. And one thing I would tell everyone that they should follow it's, you know, the challenger banks got a lot of customers because of letting them get early payday by a couple days early. And Chase made a big announcement in December that its customers will now have that feature. And that's going to be a huge effect that now like every bank is going to need that feature because Chase customers will have it. So like, that's something you'd want to know. That would be a thing to follow. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, one of the other things too, and, and I was talking with a credit union about this and they were lamenting on the fact that they were like, we've had early payday for the last few years. And I'm like, well, no one knows about it because it's not yeah. being communicated as a unique positioning or a value prop in your local market. I, I said, I think it was, we were looking at Credit Karma. I said, Credit Karma uh, is doing a, an amazing job of positioning and communication around this. So you're right. Like like all of what was some of this early mover, first mover differentiation is now becoming table stakes because once Chase goes down that path, well, you know, we've we've all got to be able to, and I, and, and I think the... The, the word of this, we, we don't want to react because if we're always reacting, we're always going to be in a almost a defensive state. We need to be more proactive. And this comes back to continuously learning, thinking, mm-hmm. doing, reviewing, and then repeating that process over and over again. So I love the practical exercise that you have challenged us all with. <laughs> To go forward. I like it too, because the other thing is, you know, not a, the generalists will never think banking is an interesting industry. I'm speaking outside of the industry, but the thing is, it is impossibly interesting. There's so many things to learn. There's so much drama um, and there's yes. so much opportunities. So like as a banker, I would think sweet relief to be able to like think of, you know, how interesting it is actually the world that I work in. Well, one of the things that, that I'm, I'm, I'm almost considering because I've talked with my team about doing either a, a weekly or a monthly, what I call a FinTech focus to mm-hmm. where we, we do exactly what you're talking about so that we can continuously transfer knowledge back into these financial brands. Because one of the things that I hear from them is we just don't have time. We're so busy doing, mm-hmm. we don't have time to continuously look out and look at the market. I'm like, well, no, I'll play like the, the Oregon trail. You know, did you ever play Oregon trail growing up? I did. I did. And I died quite a lot of dysentery. <laughs> exactly. You've died of dysentery. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so I think that's the thing. It was, we kind of always, always need that what's out on the horizon and then relay that information back in and it would be better served internally. But yeah, this is, 
you've got you've got my mind now really yes. spinning <laughs> in, in 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 opportunity ways uh opportunistic ways of, of how to continue to educate and, and empower others so this has been a lot of fun mary i really appreciate the thinking the wisdom and some of the new ideas that we've been able to collaborate together and and we'll see if we, if we check in uh, at the a year from now at the end of the year what all has transpired for both of us as well as for our our, our dear listeners here if yeah, someone if, if someone's listening and they want to connect with you they want to continue the conversation what's the best way for them to reach out connect and and say hello oh yeah definitely social and don't mind that i said i hate plaques that's more to do with my day-to-day work. <laughs> that's just, a, that's a message for my coworkers, <laughs> but I'm very accessible on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, Mary M. Wisniewski, W-I-S-N-I-E-W-S-K-I, LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty quick to respond. Absolutely. Well, connect with Mary, learn from Mary. Your, your thinking is top notch. I thank you for all of it. Um, and I'm looking forward to just seeing how this year plays out as we continue to move forward together and we all make progress on our own journeys of growth. Mary, thank you so much. Yes, no, thanks for having me. Pleasure. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.